when I first started releasing music, I had people tell me so frequently that I had to choose pop or country because I was straddling that line and it wasn't going to work. And I just so wholeheartedly disagreed with that piece of advice because to me, country music is so much more. And as a creative person, it makes no sense to try and put someone in a box like that. So I would definitely describe my music as pop country. It sits in the country genre, but it leans towards the pop end of the spectrum. I'm Peter McCulley. Jess Moskaluk is a rising star in Canadian country music, winning the 2017 Juno Award for Country Album of the Year and the Canadian Country Music Association Album of the Year in 2018. She recently toured British Columbia. Jess Moskaluk, when Today in BC continues. Discover what's happening around our province with todayinbc.com. Sign up today to get the latest news right to your inbox and never miss the news that's important to you and your family. From community news in your neighborhood to what's happening in our province, your source for daily news is todayinbc.com. Thanks for joining us on the podcast today, Jess. My pleasure. Thanks for having us. It's been a little more than 10 years since you started really making some waves on the country music scene in Canada. Did you come from a musical family? What got you started in music? No, I don't come from a musical family. And I always have a hard time answering what got me started in music because it's really similar to what would get a person interested or started in hockey or acting or anything like that. There's not one epic moment. It's just something I thought as a teenager I would try and I really enjoyed when I did. You were out on the road touring as a headliner this time around when going through British Columbia, when we've caught up with you. The first time you've done that for you, how is that different than accompanying or opening for another artist? It was very different for a lot of different reasons. We actually did tour the country. We made several stops in BC, which was awesome, but it was a long tour. It was five or six weeks from start to finish. People don't realize that it's very hard work and it's hard on your body. It's different as a headliner because you're performing longer every night. You are the reason that people are there. You're usually the one that's selling the tickets, essentially. So there's a lot of pressure. And I took that very seriously when we began to plan these shows in terms of what the set list looked like, what the VIP experience was going to be. You also have to keep in mind how much your body can handle and how much your voice can handle. And... I don't know. I didn't know until this time because I had never had the chance to do it as a headliner before. This answer could be hours long because it's so vastly different from what it is as an opener, but those are a few of the touch points. So how did you manage to work your way through that five or six weeks? Did the body hold up? Did the voice hold up? No, it didn't. I would have loved to say that it did, but I got a throat infection and bronchitis and I'd seen Several different doctors had them coming to the bus. We also chose to go during cold and flu season, so it is what it is. But anyone who works with me, whether it's my band and crew or management or agency or publicity, will tell you that I am so diligent of the way that I take care of my voice. I had seen health specialists to know what supplements and things like that I could be taking to improve on my immune system to hopefully prevent this from happening. I had trained my voice rigorously before I warm up, I cool down, I nebulize, I steam, like all of these crazy things. Everything I know how to do to take care of my voice, I do it. But sometimes your body just says you're working a little bit too hard, you're pushing yourself a little bit too far, and we need a break. Well, it is your moneymaker. 
Yes. I remember reading stories about Tom Jones, who has that big, belting Welsh voice. And in his 80s, he still has it. In his heyday, he wouldn't speak for three days before a performance. He wanted to make sure they treated it right. And it's really different for everybody. What works for me might not work for somebody else. My voice needs to stay incredibly hydrated. And if I took vocal rest for three days, I would be in terrible shape because your voice is a muscle. And if you don't work out that muscle before you use it, you can do some real damage. But apparently that worked great for Tom Jones, but that's not the strategy (laughs) that would work for me. So learning your tool is really important as well. Not speaking for three days at a time wouldn't work for a podcast guy. Wouldn't be too good. You'd have to take some serious time off. You've gotten lots of awards and acclaim for your songwriting and recordings, mainly under the the country genre, as we mentioned. But there's a really solid underlying pop feel to your music. How would you describe it? Yeah, I would definitely describe my music as pop country. I grew up in the 90s where Shania Twain and Martina McBride and Leanne Rimes and Terry Clark and all those fantastic powerhouse women were very popular and successful. That's what I grew up knowing country music as. So that was right around the time where Shania had her international album, her pop album, and her country album, all which featured the same songs. So that kind of led me to believe that country is more about the content of the song than it should be about the production. When I first started releasing music, I had people tell me so frequently that I had to choose pop or country because I was straddling that line and it wasn't going to work. And I just so wholeheartedly disagreed with that piece of advice because to me, country music is so much more. And as a creative person, it makes no sense to try and put someone in a box like that. So I would definitely describe my music as pop country. It sits in the country genre, but it leans towards the pop end of the spectrum. You're absolutely right about not being categorized or labeled. You're the first female country artist in Canada to have a platinum album since Shania Twain did it. And they tried to put her in a country label or a pop label. And before that, it was Anne Murray, who was the same thing. She did a lot of groundbreaking for female recording artists in the U.S. So that's going to feel pretty good knowing that folks are loving your music and you're in that kind of company. Things like that are a crazy bonus that give your career a little bit of a leap and give your ego a little bit of a boost and your self-confidence a little bit of a boost as well. But that's not why I make music. So has your success today put you under any pressure to move to a larger center like Nashville or Toronto? Or Yeah, but to me, it's never made sense. I travel for a living. That's the biggest part of my job is being in so many different locations. And so when I come home, I want to be home. I don't want to have to travel yet again to go home. I would be doing the same exact amount of moving around and traveling You and I aren't in the same city at all right now. We're still able to conduct our business. So in today's day and age, it never made sense to me, which is actually what inspired my song MapDot. I'd had so much pressure from people telling me that I had to do this, I had to do that. And I thought, no, I don't. I just don't. I think you guys are seeing this incorrectly. And so I'm very happy living where I'm at. And I don't think that I would get the music or have the inspiration to write these songs if I was living somewhere else. And you are living on a farm in a small town in Saskatchewan, about 800 people in town, I understand. With Something your, like that, yeah. With your husband, Clay. Does, yep. does Clay have a musical background? No, he doesn't, but he's a karaoke rock star. Country? Sometimes. Depends on the day. You and Clay got married on your farm, I understand, and I guess the proposal story is a good one. It is a good one. 
I had made several trips to Nashville to songwrite, and I had never had the chance to bring Clay because I was always busy and in writing sessions, and so I thought, what's he going to do while I'm at work? Finally, he decided to come to Nashville with me, and I had told all my friends that I would be there, and I said, but I'm not working. I, I don't want to work this trip. Let's all just hang out so you guys can meet Clay and show him around town. Long story short, my producer tricked me into coming into the studio that day, and it was a studio that I had never been to, but the person who mixes my albums works out of that studio. It's his home studio. He told me to show up at this address, and we were going to recut some vocals, which was a lie. I said to my producer, all right, that's fine. I understand the situation, but can Clay come? And Corey said, yeah, Clay definitely should come. And they had planned this whole thing behind my back. Corey's wife was there to record and she had brought champagne and Clay had posed to me through the talkback mic while I was in the vocal booth in the studio. See, it's guys like Clay that make it tough on the rest of us. Well, I don't think he's done anything romantic since. <laughs> he used up all his romantic energy on the proposal. <laughs> Were you a bit shy, perhaps, when you first started performing and recording and in particular, shooting videos. The reason I ask is because I've really noticed in the last little while that you seem to be more and more comfortable performing, particularly in front of the camera. Yeah, I mean, that happens with everybody. The more you do something, the more comfortable you get, the better at it you get. When I started, I was also a teenager, and now I'm 32. So, of course, my confidence levels are different. And like I would said, now I have some accolades and a little bit of proof, I suppose, that what I'm doing is appreciated by some people. And so, yeah, I'm still nervous to perform, but I know how to channel that energy into something else. A few years ago, there was a really great story about you giving back when you were able to partner with the Music Counts program, donating musical instruments to a school music program. Can you give us a little bit of an update on some current initiatives that you might be working on? Yeah, totally separate from Music Counts, which is a fantastic organization that still works with different artists every year. I work with an organization called Telemiracle in Saskatchewan, which is a telethon that I'm almost every year a part of hosting. They raise several million dollars every single year. It's for the Kinsmen and the Kinnett. So they donate this money to families who may need support, whether it's for medical equipment or travel to certain appointments, it really runs the gamut of things that they support. And it's a lot of fun. It's such a community experience and you can truly physically see where these hard-earned dollars are going. It's such a part of Saskatchewan culture that it's really important and it's been going on for almost 50 years now. When Today in BC continues, Jess Moskaloop talks about songwriting and her single, Knockoff. Why spend hours searching dealerships, comparing makes and models? Find the best of BC's inventory in one place, todaysdrive.com. You'll have access to inventory across BC, where you can easily find a vehicle that fits your needs and gets you where you need to go in comfort. Get in the driver's seat. Don't miss out on the many options we have available for you. Powered by Black Press Media, todaysdrive.com connects you with exclusive new and used car deals. Today in BC is a Black Press Media podcast. I'm Peter McCulley. Demos is the album that you released just during the pandemic. Tell us about the material, where it came from. Yeah, the Demos was a really important and interesting, I'll say concept album for me. Like you mentioned, it was during the pandemic where we couldn't get together and songwrite. We couldn't get together and record. And I'm not really set up 
to record. I am now, I can do a little bit of it, but I'm not super comfortable with it yet. So what we had done was done a deep dive into my catalog of songs that I had already written and we hadn't yet fully recorded for whatever reason. It wasn't because the songs weren't good enough. It was most likely that we had enough songs for the album and that one just didn't fit the vibe. There's so many reasons why a song may or may not make an album and it can be sometimes one of your favorite songs. So it felt like a shame to let those songs sit there and never see the light of day. So what we decided to do was to take those songs, revamp them from afar since we already had the demos, and then show people what a demo of a song looks like the day that you write it versus the day that you were recording it. We didn't show all of the demos because for a song like Country Girls, for example, the demo hardly changed from the final studio recording. Sometimes you just get it right, but sometimes you do a total 180. For a song like Map Dot, we went really pop. We were just having fun that day, and we put the demo together like that. And then we thought, this is maybe a little bit too pop for me, but let's put it on the album and make it a little bit country radio friendly for the studio version. So it was a peek behind the curtain for fans to see into my songwriting process. Do you have many songs that you haven't recorded? Oh, yeah. Hundreds, thousands. Hundreds? At least hundreds. How long have you been songwriting? Oh, gosh, since I was teen, 20. And how does the songwriting process work for you? I've talked to many, many artists over the years, and it all seems to be different for everybody. Yeah, it very much is different. For me, I like to come up with titles or concepts or whatever at home and develop them a little bit. I've got a, just a note on my phone where I'll spend some time and just dig into kind of what the structure or concept of a song might be. Sometimes I don't get around to that and all I have is titles. I usually take those to Nashville and write my favorite writers there and we'll come up with a song. I like to write to track, which means that one of the writers is a quote unquote track guy, usually a producer that has a few different kind of instrumental things created especially if you can give them the title and the vibe of the song before and they'll come up with what they think it might be. There's a few different versions and they build that track as you're writing so that you can contribute to what you think the feel or tempo or key should be, things like that. That's why on the demos record, a lot of the demos, not just like a guitar work tape where you're just singing into an iPhone, they do sound like full songs. I find it a lot easier to chase the energy of a song and also th then to bring it back to my label to say this is what a song could sound like. I know you've been on the same bill as John Party, who's got that real throwback country sound, but with the modern underlying soundtrack. So who are some of the up-and-comers who have caught your ear? Jade Eagleson is a fantastic artist. I don't even think it's fair to call him an up-and-comer anymore. He's just one of my favorite artists right now. We actually wrote Knock Off together, and I think that especially when you... Transition from John Party, I think Jade Eagleson is someone who does something like that very well here in Canada. And another one that jumps to the top of my head is, of course, Tyler Joe Miller, who I just brought with me as my opener on the Map Dot tour. He's got a very Luke Combs kind of feel. As much as we artists hate comparing ourselves to other people, I know that people want to know what they're in for. He's an incredibly talented singer and songwriter, and his vocals are unmatched. They're so unique and raspy and... Yeah, fantastic. So those would be two of my favorites right now. So when you're just kicking back on the front veranda, who do you listen to? 
Honestly, I don't listen to very much music. I love to just take a break from that headspace because I find if I listen to too much of it, I analyze it and I listen to it not as someone enjoying it or not as a consumer, but I listen to it as a songwriter. I listen to it as someone judging the production or as a vocalist. So I like to just listen to podcasts or even sometimes I'll listen to like lo-fi music that doesn't have lyrics. So I'm boring that way. No, it sounds all good to me. Your music's taken you quite far afoot of Canada. Where have you been and where would you go back to as soon as you could arrange it? Two of the territories that we've been focusing on outside of Canada lately have been the UK as well as Australia. And I would go back to both of them in a heartbeat and have plans to do not anything finalized that we can chat about yet. But it's been really cool to see what that international market looks like for country music because they look a lot different than they do in Canada. But it's been really fun to start to make my footprint there and develop a fan base over there as well. Your single knockoff has a really fun video which features a Jess Moskaluk lookalike contest. How did you come up with the idea for the video? Well, actually, the idea for that video was created with my video director, Travis Nesbitt. We wanted to do something a little bit not lyric by lyric. We didn't want to just act out what the lyrics say in the video. So we thought it would be a fun twist on it to have a lookalike contest in which I didn't win. But I'm still happy in the end, and I think that's a fun twist on it. But it features my manager, Carmen, who, without giving too much away, she does very well in the contest. The single knockoff has an acoustic version as well. Tell me about that. Yeah, we wanted to do something just additional to continue supporting the streams and to continue the life of the song. So we've done this before with other singles. It's just fun to reimagine a slightly different style. We also just put out a dance remix of knockoff as well, just to play around with the song. Yeah, boy, you did me dirty. I left you in a hurry. Ain't seen you since goodbye. You rolled up in this place with a brand new blonde replacement. I haven't looked back twice. Cause something about it feels too familiar. Kinda like I'm looking in a mirror. You couldn't get the Oh, you got the knock off. Oh, yeah, you got the knock off. 
You couldn't get the real thing, so you got the knockoff. But I bet she ain't got a kiss like mine. Yeah, she might be checking every look like box off. But there ain't a way to think of one of a kind. It's like you trade a top shelf for a cheap drink. Boy, I guess you couldn't get the real thing. So you got the knockoff. Is there an all-acoustic album in the works, Jess? Um, it's not something that we've ever really thought about or talked about. I think, again, coming back to being true to who I am and what my style is, it's very pop country. And I think that's a little bit harder to convey when it's all acoustic. So we'll continue to put out acoustic singles. And I never want to say never because who knows, maybe that is someday something I really feel passionate about doing. But right now, it's not something that we've really considered. You recently received an award for 100 million streams of your digital catalog, which is basically everybody in Canada listening to three separate Jess Moskaluk tunes. Yeah, that's crazy. So how'd that make you feel? I feel like I haven't really had time to even fully digest what the magnitude of that really means. It happened in the middle of a show, actually, on the MapDot tour. I had no idea. I don't watch numbers. I know my management team does, and it means a lot to them. And to me, I'm just like, great, let's just focus on writing the next music and getting the songs out there. So I didn't know that it was coming, and it happened in the middle of the show, and then I just had to finish the show, and then I had to finish the next show, and the next show, and the next show, like day after day. Sometimes it takes some time to actually sit back and reflect on those moments, and I think that I just haven't had a chance to do that yet. If you could meet any musician, dead or alive, for dinner, who would it be? Oh, man. I have met this person, but Shania Twain obviously has come up a lot of times in this conversation because she played such a major role in influencing my career. A few years back, we had done a tribute to her at the Canadian Country Music Association Awards that I was a part of. And I remember thinking, is she going to be at the rehearsals? Probably not. I'm sure she's got better things to do. And... Sure enough, she was there and she was very hands-on about everything. She was really complimentary and really wanted us individually to dig into what makes us us rather than what makes a Shania Twain song a Shania Twain song. And just the energy that she put into that really made me want more from her. So I think that if I had an hour of her time one-on-one to sit down for dinner with her, I think that would be a really beneficial thing for hopefully both of us. Hopefully I'm fun to have dinner with but definitely beneficial for me. (laughs) So quite often we ask folks who join us on the podcast to pass along any words of wisdom they might have for those thinking of getting into their industry, in your case, a singer and or a songwriter. I would just say, make sure that it's something that you're 150,000% passionate about because it's your job and your career. It's your entire life. It's the kind of thing that you don't ever have the ability to turn off when you're going to the grocery store you're at work because someone's little girl might want to take a photo with you. So I think you have to really want it and you have to be comfortable with working 24-7 at all times. It's not the kind of thing that happens to you. It's the kind of thing that you have to work for. It's very rewarding at times and I think that it's so rewarding if you put in that work. It makes all of those accomplishments, whatever those accomplishments are to you, it makes them that much sweeter. So just work your butt off. 
I'd like to thank Jess Moskaluk for being with us on this edition of Today in BC. If you have suggestions or comments, send us a voice message to podcast at blackpress.ca. You may be part of our podcast mailbag segment. You'll find Today in BC podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, iHeart, and Google Podcasts. Mm-hmm.